Hello, everyone, and welcome to Bad Bleeps of the Bible. All right, people, there has been so much happening in the story of Joseph up to now, and I am going to give you a quick little recap about what has happened so far, what's going on in his life, whether he's still a slave, whether he's been sold, whether he's still interpreting dreams. The answer is yes, 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 yes to all of those. But also, I'm going to give you, again, that recap of what happened last week, what happened the week before. I'm going to give you a recap of parts one through three. I'm saying this because if you don't want to listen to this, I would fast forward about three-ish minutes. I don't know yet. I haven't recorded it yet. I may amend this. But three-ish minutes uh, if you just want to pick back up right at the story. But for those who are just joining us on this final part, which in my eyes would be wild, but you know what? Do you, boo? Or for those of us who just need a little refresh about Joseph's life, this recap is for you. So, Joseph... Born to a big family, the family of Jacob. Remember Jacob of Jacob and Esau fame? Uh, Jacob slash Israel had 12 sons, and those 12 sons would become the 12 tribes of Israel. Though, not all 12 sons were born yet. He had 11-ish, let's say. But one of those 11 was Joseph, and Joseph was his absolute favorite son because, well, he was only one of the two children born to Jacob's favorite wife, that being Rachel. And as we know, Joseph's favoritism or Joseph's being the favorite no knew neared, neared, knew no bounds. He had a fancy coat of many colors made for him. He interpreted dreams. He really lacked tack in telling his brothers about those dreams because the dreams involved his brothers bowing down to him. He was given preferential treatment by his father, all of the favoritism. And because of this, his brothers, Joseph's brothers, were P.O.'d, and they plotted a way to get Joseph down from his favoritism pedestal. Things took a really drastic turn in that department uh, when Joseph's brothers attacked him, ripped off his stunning coat, threw him in a pit, and eventually sold him as a slave to the Ishmaelites. Joseph's brothers then took the coat removed from Joseph and dipped said coat in goat's blood to fake Joseph's death. All the while, Joseph was carted off to Egypt and sold to Potiphar, an Egyptian official really high up in Egypt hierarchy. Joseph, though, thrives in this new environment and becomes second in command in Potiphar's household. Unfortunately, being so high up and being so visible, not to mention his hot body yaddy yaddy, Joseph soon caught the attention of Potiphar's wife, who lusted after Joseph. After repeated repudiations, Potiphar's wife was literally over it. She decided to go a different route and snatched Joseph's coat and made up a big old lie that Joseph had tried to lay with her and had attacked her and that he ran away when he was about to be caught. And see, she has the evidence, this coat. Potiphar was livid and threw Joseph into a prison. Not just any prison, though, the royal prison, the pharaoh's prison. This is clutch. Because while in prison, remember, Joseph used his fancy dream interpretation skills to successfully predict the release of Pharaoh's cupbearer and Pharaoh's future butler, one and the same. 
He also predicted the unfortunate death of the baker. Um, but that's neither here nor there, and it's a really depressing part of the story. So he did a great job for the future butler, current cupbearer. Unfortunately for Joseph, the current cupbearer slash future butler would forget about Joseph. He forgot his promise to Joseph that he would tell the Pharaoh about him and his dream interpretation skills. He forgot this until two years later when the Pharaoh had some particularly nasty dreams with cannibalistic cows and grains. The butler was like, oh, wait, I know a person who can interpret said dreams. It's that person that I made a promise to two years ago. And Joseph is promptly yeeted from his prison cell and pranced into the court of the king. Joseph does his thing. He does his dream interpretation thing, telling Pharaoh that seven great years of plenty are on their way. If you've watched the musical, what's sticking in my head at this moment is like, seven years of bumper crops are on their way. Um, But then, sure, great things are happening for seven years, but then seven years of famine are soon to follow. And that's famine across the earth. I guess famine with a capital F, because it's very bad. (laughs) Um, Joseph also slipped into his dream interpretation that someone needed to manage the collecting and more importantly, the conservation of all of the goods during the seven years of plenty. The Pharaoh considers for a moment and decides that, you know what, this former prisoner is the perfect man for the job and actually hands Joseph his signet ring as well as a wife. So Joseph does well for himself, interprets this dream, gets the signet ring, gets a wife, starts having babies, and becomes second in command. He's thriving. He had two kids with this wife. He leads Egypt through the years of plenty, and he makes Egypt the center of commerce during the famine because they have all this grain that they conserved because they knew what would happen. And who needed that grain? Well, Who needed it because they're currently starving to death? Joseph's brothers. That's right, Joseph's family. And his brothers are sent to Egypt by Jacob, who looked around and said, why y'all sitting around? We need food. Egypt has it. Go. And at this point, remember, Jacob has a new favorite, Benjamin, also one of the two children by his favorite wife, Rachel. Remember, Joseph was the other son. He really has a thing for favorite sons of Rachel. But... Baby Benjamin does not go with the other brothers to Egypt. He stays behind for obvious reasons. One, Jacob doesn't trust the brothers, or maybe he's just super protective. One of the two. Regardless, the brothers head to Egypt, completely unaware that they are about to meet the man, the very powerful man, who they sold into slavery many, many years ago. But this very powerful man that they sold into slavery many, many years ago is unrecognizable to his brothers. But that doesn't mean that these men are unrecognizable to Joseph. And rather than choosing violence, which I definitely would have, Joseph decides to keep his identity hidden. He gives them the grain that they want, but he played a little game with them at the same time. They eat, they drink, they're in the court of Egypt. They're like, wow, this really powerful man is super nice. He's giving us all this food and all this grain. And truly, it looked just like that. Joseph releases them, says, you can go, but if you want more grain, you're going to need to bring back your youngest brother, Benjamin, next time. Otherwise, 
you won't be getting anything. Bye! And then he stuffed their bags with coins, which they discover later and ultimately think is sus, and they move on. Inevitably, the brothers, again, run out of food and are forced to travel back to Egypt. But this time, again, with Joseph's command, they have to take their baby baby brother, Benjamin, who Jacob very begrudgingly allows to go. That was a lot of bees there. When all the brothers now arrive in Egypt, they are again greeted by Joseph, who, upon seeing Benjamin, his unknown but now seen brother, begins to weep. Joseph hides himself, fixes his little eyeshadow, fixes his eyeliner, and comes back out, and again is super nice to his brothers. He feeds them, he gives them all the things they desire, he asks about their father, his father, he's told that he was in good health, all of that. Then... The brothers head out again, but not before Joseph has one final test of faith for the brothers. Before he allows his brothers to leave with their sacks heavy with grain and money again, he hides inside of one a silver cup. Joseph's special silver cup, apparently. And it's in the sack of the new favorite, precious baby Benjamin. And it's here where we pick up our story. Okay, so like, first of all, why did Joseph hide the cup? Here's my theory. Uh, First, Benjamin was the new favorite. And if caught with the special cup, it could go either one of two ways. First, the brothers could say, Been nice knowing you, Benjamin. Sorry about the cup. Have fun riding in an Egyptian prison. And promptly leave. And what would this show for Joseph? Well, it would show that they've had no growth. They are still terrible people, they've had no learning, and they've had no remorse for what they did to him. Option one was that. Option two, once discovering said silver cup in the new favorite Benjamin sack, the brothers could beg for Benjamin's life, not abandon him, and put themselves in his stead. Again, what would this show? It would show that the brothers have had learning, they've had growth, they have remorse, and they really do feel pain for what they did to Joseph. What actually happens? Let's find out. I just took the most giant swig of iced coffee. If you can hear, that's like one of my favorite sounds. A little ASMR action for you. But what happens? After Joseph commanded his stewards to fill the sacks with grain and cash, and after also commanding them to hide the silver cup in the sack of precious baby Benjamin, the brothers head out back to Canaan at dawn. But Joseph, not even allowing his brothers to get a mile outside of the city, commands his steward and his officers to chase down the brothers and retrieve his silver cup. He also had some very specific instructions for his officers. First, they must tell the brothers how ashamed Joseph is that they would repay his kindness with thievery. Some really, like, guilt-tripping things there. Then, tell the brothers that whoever isn't found with the cup is safe. They're blameless. They're free to go. But whoever is found with the silver cup will become a slave in the house of Joseph, forever separated from their family and alone. Sound familiar? The brothers, of course, freaked out and began dumping their sacks, starting from the oldest brother to the youngest. Youngest. 
Reuben dumped his sack. Simeon followed suit, dumping his sack. He was followed by Levi, by Judah, by Issachar, by Zebulun, by Dan, by Naphtali, by Gad, and then by Asher. Finally, after nearly all the brothers had dumped their sacks of grain and had found no silver cup, it came time for the final brother, the new favorite, the youngest, Benjamin, to dump his sack. He does, and what should come tumbling out but Joseph's silver cup. The brothers are distraught. They screamed, they cried, they ripped their clothes to shreds as they followed Joseph's men back to the palace with Benjamin in chains and followed him back to the court of their forgotten brother. Upon arriving, they plead with Joseph. They offered themselves instead. They begged of him, please, please, please don't let him go. Judah, one of the brothers, makes a super impassioned plea, which if you read the text and then watch the movie, they're completely different vibes, honestly. The text is all sadness from Judah and crying, while in the movie, the just the amazing technicolor dream coat, this situation is a fun little Caribbean number with like... If you remember it, oh no, not him. Benjamin is a mystery. Save him. Take me. Hello, copyright. I am free. Um, so again, the brothers are back in the court. Joe Judah is begging Joseph, please don't take our brother. And Joseph, Joseph, Judah, after this impassioned plea that not only includes that they as brothers would gladly take the place of Benjamin, but goes so far as to say that their father, Jacob, wouldn't be able to handle Benjamin's absence, and that if Benjamin is kept, that their father would surely die, since he had already lost another son earlier in his life. Judah concludes with tears in his eyes that they would again happily sacrifice themselves for their youngest brother. And with this speech, seeing his brother so distraught, Joseph knew his brothers had changed and that they had learned their lesson. He saw their pain, he saw their tears, and he saw that they would sacrifice themselves. Truly, all of this added up to remorse and to repentance. Joseph commanded the court to be cleared. And once everyone was gone, in the silence and the tears, he revealed himself to his brothers. He was the Joseph that they had sold so many years ago into slavery. He had risen through the power of God to become second in command in Egypt. The tears that came from the brothers, the shouts, the cries, the the surprise, all of this was so great in this moment that even Pharaoh could hear it way far away in his chambers. After this huge reunion, this big old cry fest, he tells his brothers that they're forgiven, that everything has worked out for good, and that he was sold just so that he could save them and bring his brothers to a greater end, to prosperity. And then he asks his brothers that they go get their father and bring Jacob to Egypt, where he'll live in splendor. And Joseph doesn't say, just go take the grain. He actually supplied them with Egyptian wagons, with Egyptian garments, with money, with 20 additional donkeys that carried all the provisions they would need for their journey to Canaan and back again. 
He also gave them more silver, more coin, more coins. And to Benjamin, he gave the most coins. And when the brothers arrived back at Israel, sans Joseph, we can imagine this scene. They run to Jacob and they tell them that their brother, the brother who has gone missing, is now second command in Egypt. A side note here. I, the Bible doesn't say if they indicated that they're the reason that Joseph was sold into Egypt and is now the second in command, but Jacob, if they did say this, seems to be super forgiving. Jacob is so shocked in this moment that the Bible says his heart stands still. And then he commands, Jacob commands, that the brothers take him to Egypt since, as he states, it is enough Joseph, my son, is yet alive. I will go and see him before I die. Thus, Jacob, also known as Israel, and his entire house, almost 70 people at this point, gather up their livestock, gather up all their things, and begin the journey to Egypt. And as they approach Egyptian territory, Judah went ahead to ask Joseph where the caravan should unload. And they were directed into the province of Goshen. And Joseph, ready to see his family, readied his chariot to meet his father there. But right before arriving into Egypt, Jacob has this beautiful, gorgeous revelation from God, where he learns that though he is afraid, he should not be. For from Egypt would be born a great nation, and that God would go with him into Egypt. And with newfound energy, the elderly Jacob makes his way into Egypt to meet his long-lost son. At this point, it had been over 20 years since Joseph had last seen his father. And then, finally, Finally, I can picture this. They're on different mountains. Joseph and his magical chariot, Jacob with a walking stick, see each other, the two, the father, the son. And finally, they're reunited. There's crying, lots of crying, lots of hugging, lots of emotions. So much so that Jacob, overwhelmed with gladness, cries, Now let me die since I have seen your face because you are still alive. Afterward, Joseph's family personally meets the Pharaoh of Egypt, who not only welcomes them into Egypt, but gives them the land of Goshen, which is where they settled. This land is just a strip of land just north of Cairo, side note. And here, Jacob and his family prosper, even unto the death of Jacob, who dies at 147 He also died back in the land of his forefathers, the land of Canaan, after he asks Joseph to transport him there before his death. And as for Joseph, his story ends beautifully. With his wife, he had two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, who were blessed, so blessed, that Jacob treated them as if he were his own sons. And you know what that means? That means that these two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, these two sons of Joseph, would become as two sons of Jacob, then becoming two of the tribes of Israel. For his part, Joseph lived to the age of 110. 
and before dying, he commanded that his bones would not be left in Egypt, but would be carried back to his homeland. This would be remembered. And after the Israelites left Egypt during the Exodus, Moses, leader of Israel at the time, took Joseph's bones with him. And with this, after 150 years, Joseph, through his bones, is finally returned to his homeland from which he had been sold so, so many years ago. And it's here we end our story of Joseph. But before we go, I'm going to leave you with the words of his father, Jacob, who, just before dying, gathered all of his sons around him, including Joseph, and uttered his blessings. And in the dim of the fading Israel sun, Jacob said this to his beloved Joseph. Joseph, you are like unto a tree, a fruitful bough, even a fruitful bough by a well whose branches run over the wall. The archers have sorely grieved you and shot at you and hated you. But your bow abode in strength and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the almighty God of Jacob. From thence is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. Even by the God of your father who shall help thee, and by the Almighty who shall bless thee with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lieth under, blessings of the breasts and of the womb, the blessings of thy father have prevailed above the blessings of my progenitors unto the utmost bound of the everlasting hills. They shall be on the head of Joseph and on the crown of the head of him that was separated from his brethren. And thus ends our story of Joseph, son, brother, dreamer, slave, prisoner, vizier, our king of dreams, our bad bleep, Joseph, and the amazing spectacular dream code. I really hope that you enjoyed today's episode, and I hope you enjoyed our four-part series on Joseph. Hopefully, you are coming away with a wealth of knowledge about this truly Bible top 10, maybe top 5 heavy hitter. Tune in next Tuesday for another installment of Bad Bleeps Uncut. You missed Freddy? He's coming back with a vengeance next Tuesday. Also, please feel free to get in touch with me and share your thoughts and church stories and church trauma at badbleepsofthebible at gmail.com. And again, find us on Instagram and on TikTok. You're going to see an updated TikTok with all the story of Joseph coming at you soon. You can find us at badbleepsofthebible. Sources for today's story can be found in our show notes. And please rate, review, subscribe, and share this podcast. Thank you so much to those who have already done that. I love, love, love reading your reviews about this. It just makes it better. So please continue that. Catch you next time and watch out for brothers plotting your demise. But also believe that things just might work out for good despite your circumstances and your situation. They certainly did for Joseph. Thanks for listening and catch you next time. Bye.